0: Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games, art, rules, gameplays, and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez.
1: Hi, welcome to Solo BG Podcast. My name is Derek, and I'm so happy that you are here with me in another night, another day, another evening. Another afternoon depends on where you are and what time zone you are, even if you're in right now in the subway in Europe, or if you're driving to your work in U.S., or if you're walking towards the subway, I don't know, in China, whatever you're listening to. Thank you very much. And welcome, because today, tonight, this evening, we have a great episode. I'm very happy. I was looking forward for this episode. Because just as I told you in the previous one, that it was released on Wednesday this week, Um, we were going to have an interview with one of my good friends that we're going to talk about a game that is going to be released on Kickstarter. Also, I give you a little bit of a spoiler alert back on the episode that it was released on Wednesday, which was the incubation episode by Luma Imports. Um, If you like Stranger Things that kind of theme, uh, you know, like mystery and ghosts and dungeon crawler and all that stuff, well, this is a game that you definitely want to put attention to this episode because you should back it very soon because it's going to be released by the end of September. And I have with me on today's episode to my good friend, Mr. Dustin Freund, which I hope I pronounce your last name correctly, Dustin. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. That that was very close. I'm closer than most people get. But uh, yeah, Dustin Freund, and that was very close. That was a good attempt. And thank you, Derek, for having me. I'm excited to be on with you.
1: Dustin, pardon my French, Dustin Freund. Oh, so, no, that's you know, no, it's good. Yeah, as all of you know, amazing listeners and, and Dustin, um, you are my good friend in games, but I know <laughs> this, this is going to grow also a good friendship in in, in real uh, life. Uh, but, um, you know, my primary is not English, and it's always my accent what is haunting me, and it's going to be haunting me all my life. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you something. You got
0: it closer than nine out of every ten people get it. Most people, I've heard friend and and friend and I've even, somebody's even called me dustin food before so you were <laughs> you're you're you closer than most <laughs> okay
1: so amazing listeners there's going to be a game that is going to be released very soon on kickstarter by the end of this month uh September 2019 in case you're listening in 2022 um but <laughs> it's it's going to be released in uh, 2019 September we're going to tell you the exact date in a little bit and we're going to talk about that game also uh, the name of the game—it's called the Ghost Betwixt, I hope I say it, the betwixt correctly. Yep. And we're gonna talk about the game in a little bit. But first, Dustin, like always, everybody that comes to Solo BG Podcast Home, uh, I always like to talk to them first, and you know, get that psychological, I guess, hum- humane part of the of the gamings and designers and producers. So tell us about yourself. Who is Dustin, and what is your uh, your background as a gamer, I guess, first, and then as a designer.
0: Sure, sure. Um, all right. Well, um, I live here in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I've been gaming all my life. I'm 37 years old. Um, okay. Yeah, I I grew up in the you know the golden age of video games. So when I was oh I forget six seven years old is when the original Nintendo came out, and obviously I fell in love with Mario and then. Zelda is what just blew my mind. Um, just oh, look, you
1: have a black cat over there. I'm seeing, it. well, you, you're not seeing an amazing it, listeners, but just uh, those uh, bl- like kind of a witch's black cat, just yeah. me behind well, over there.
0: That's, a little, that's that's my cat rascal just crawling around behind my head there, but um, okay. yeah, so um, anyway, it's just I, I've been influenced by games my whole life, just like you know, probably a lot of people that are listening right now. Um yeah. Zelda, but but what really opened my eyes um was Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it all started there. Um just the the storyline. Not that Final Fantasy one storyline was anything uh crazy, but you know, just the environment, the world that they were able to create with just these uh 8 bit graphics. Um really captivated me and then the character building and all the equipment you could find and the the different routes you could actually take to achieve an objective and um that's where it all started and then uh it evolved into you know the, the later final fantasy on super nintendo um chrono trigger was big but really i would say what influenced me the most as a game designer today was uh, a little ga- game on Super Nintendo called Earthbound, if you've heard of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, sure. It's, it's so, it, it one of my yeah, favorites, too. <laughs>
0: absolutely. So why that was so influential is because it opened my eyes that, you know, a dungeon crawler or an RPG or whatever, it doesn't have to take place in a medieval setting or a fantasy setting or a sci-fi setting. It could take yeah. place in, um, you know, in America or or modern day um, suburbia. So, um, that, that really inspired me. And anyways, so kind of, uh, I feel like throughout the years, um, as I've been playing, I never knew that game design was going to be a passion of mine. Um, but I felt like as I played these games and then evolved into board games, um, later in life, I started just taking notes like mentally of things that I love, things that I, if I had the ability to change certain things, um, I would think about what would I do differently if I could. And then one day um, I was like, you know what? I've been working on this story for a long time and, mm-hmm. and it originated as a novel. Um, and one day I was like, wouldn't it be more fun to instead of writing about this story um, and having somebody you know, read it? Wouldn't it be more fun to play out the story in front of you on a on a table? So yeah. that's kind of the progression um, of my life that led from just being a fan of games into actually developing one. So, yes, I am a first time game designer um, and uh, <laughs> I'm biting off a lot. Uh, here in this yeah. ver- this is a this is a beast of a game which you know we'll get into but as a first-time game developer I'm not starting with a light game by any means <laughs>
1: yeah no it's you know what it's, it's very interesting because what you were saying uh, I think I guess it's a very common thing that has been happening with now new designers and also I include myself as a new uh, a new, play, you know not a new player but like people that w- had that transition between uh, game, uh, video games, and then board games, and I guess that happens to all of us now. Yeah. One important things of modern times of modern gaming right now that it's a very good and important thing also is that a uh, door or that Kickstarter opens because uh, you know it, it gives that opportunity to. I guess you will you will tell us better, but it gives that opportunity to designers, publishers. Uh, you know, m- well, we're focusing right now in board games, right? To to develop their projects and make it a reality. But not yeah. only on board games. I mean, they also have, like, in Kickstarter, as you know, uh, comic books, uh, yep. music, uh, movies. But, of course, I would say probably in the, the other day I was talking to my good friend Mike Delicio about it from Solo Mode Games. If you haven't listened to the episode, go and check it out because it's very cool. But we were talking about that, about the Kickstarter and how the games he throw a number over there. I think it was close to 80 or 90% of all the source of income that Kickstarter received are from board games. Oh, and wow. That's, that's, uh, that's amazing for us that Mm -hmm. we're involved in the hobby because that, uh, that tells us that it's a a very strong, like I said, Mm -hmm. door, a very strong business opportunity, but also an opportunity for a very creative people, like in your case, Dustin, uh, that, you know, you, you came with this idea, like you were mentioning, like a graphic novel, then it was, it was translated to a, a board game which is great great idea by the way um, it. and now it, it's gonna be a reality at, at very soon at the end of the month kickstarter uh so that's why i think kickstarter it's an amazing tool and an amazing opportunity right now for all the new designers that are coming out and you're right usually uh at least in my experience with like i, I will say with with uh designers uh you're right usually uh the designers they start with a you know with a, a basic more like a filler game like Something with a deck of 50 or 100 car uh, cards, just you know, just basically a filler, more simple, right. more uh, I guess a, a str- a streamlined, what they call. But uh in your case, and I'm saying this because I have the prototype in front of me, and you can check the pictures that I post uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Solo BG Podcast, and I will be posting more pictures because I'm gonna keep playing the game. Even the prototype version, I mean, it's it's a lot of stuff going on. You have a lot of tiles that do- that uh, the maps on the prototype that you're going to be assembling in the house, uh, the maps for the characters, all the standees, all the deck of cards for the equipment, items. Uh, and I mean, a lot of things that we're going to talk about the game. I don't want to spoil too much before we <laughs> jump into that. But you're right. It's it's definitely, uh, uh, I would call it a big game, and it mm-hmm. has a lot of immersiveness and a lot of story. It's one thing that you mentioned that we're going to talk about in a little bit, too, is that you know, amazing listeners, that one of my big filters in games... Is the immersiveness, and this game has a great uh, narrative and a great uh, background story. And now I, now that I'm talking to you, now I know why. Now that you explain us that this was originally a novel okay. or a book, mm-hmm. and then it was transformed to a board game. So let's jump into that. Let's 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 talk about the game. Uh, the name of the game once again is The Ghost Betwixt. I hope I pronounced it right once again. Yeah. And it's uh, dungeon crawling in the haunted Harland. A game by Dustin, uh, let me try my French. Dustin Front. front. You got it. Yep, yeah. yep. Okay, Dustin Front game. And it's going to be a 10-year-old plus uh, so far, the prototype version. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, of course, great, great job, Dustin. One, one, yes, one <laughs> to four players. That's the idea. And it all starts with the story, like you were saying, Dustin. So tell us about that. Tell us about the story that is behind uh the gods betwixt sure well um real quick uh since this is the you know
0: solo bg podcast um and you just mentioned it it was important to me that this was a soloable game um because for me it's not always easy to get a bunch of friends together and Mm -hmm. my wife my wife dang sure isn't going to play a nerdy game with me like uh warhammer quest or anything like that um or uh, I should say probably like imperial assault or um descent which require uh, like a dungeon Oh my god you just oh, mentioned
1: wh- you just mentioned one of my top 3 solo games over uh, imperial assault now we Yeah
0: absolutely Great. with with yeah. the app yeah absolutely so yeah it was it was definitely important to me that you know I designed this game as a solo experience so this is not um a tacked on solo variant like it is literally all the playtesting I do personally is all solo. So this game is built fundamentally as a solo game. Obviously, you can play it cooperative too. Uh, but yeah, so to talk about the story,
1: um, let's see. Where do I start? Um, well, let's, let's, start, let's <laughs> yeah. start. Here's the thing. Yeah. You're not able to see amazing listeners, but I promise you, I will post some pictures uh, on Facebook too. So yeah, as soon as you open the box, the first thing you got is this text that is going to intro you already to the game and it says the title october 1993 hole 13 pleasant springs this golf course and then you already in the game i find you already starting the story <laughs> you already trying to see like what the hell like am i already started opening the box yes it already started so what is the story of the ghost betwixt my friend dustin yes Well, uh, so it all starts with this prologue, like
0: you talked about, and young Richie, he's 13 years old, he's playing disc golf with his brother Maddox, and he throws his disc across the street, and it lands in a neighbor's fenced-in backyard, um, so he runs, he runs over, he hops the fence to get his disc, and all of a sudden this man comes out of the house and grabs him and essentially kidnaps him and takes him into this house, um, So that's kind of where the story begins. Uh, What is uh, noteworthy about this house is this is uh, the Bennert family. This is their farmhouse. And during Halloween, this house transforms into what's known as the worlds of terror haunted house. So this is like, you know, a a haunted house that they set up for kids and adults um, during the Halloween season. So. Basically, without giving too much away, um, they are trying to. Uh, the worlds of terror has started to fall on hard times, and tonight they're trying to resurrect the family business. And um, it's up to you. The you'll you'll play as Richie's uh, mom, Joan, dad, yeah. Bill, uh-huh. uh, brother Maddox, and sister Evelyn. And it's up to the family to um, visit the Bennards farmhouse find richie find out what the bennerts are up to and uh get to the bottom of this whole crazy thing and i can assure you um uh derek i know you have the prototype you you yeah you've played through mission one which is the bennerts farmhouse um this game and that's just mission one this game is going to take you across their property it's going to take you into their basement where they have all the haunted house uh props set up um uh, it's going to take you into corn mazes. It's going to take you into cider mills. Um, so the game really expands, um, and you go into some pretty fantastic locations never before uh, seen in a, in a uh, tabletop dungeon crawler. So, yeah. um, so the story, as you can see, it, it really... The story drives um, where the game takes you, if you will. Um, exactly, because...
1: Yeah. Let me share with you right now with you, listeners. Sure. As, as I was playing the game, that's one thing that I really like from the game. That okay, you get the story, you get the introduction, like like Dustin said, like poor Richie, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you yeah. get kidnapped, and now it's up to you and them, you not know, the family, try to try to rescue him or or investigate what happened. Um, are you at are, as as long as you're advancing in the game. Uh, from different room to room and fighting different monsters, which we're gonna talk about those mechanics and all the stuff. The story is evolving, and you're getting all these objectives. Like for example, I don't wanna. To, well, this is a prototype version, but I don't sure. wanna uh, spoil too much. But for example, first objective, you're trying to find the door to the basement because you don't, you you are not able to find rich air on the house. And then once you complete that, well, you need to open the door of the basement, and then you need to try to kill the bad guys and all the stuff, and then. Uh, find the staircase and you're getting different objectives That also those objectives um uh, tell you uh, what's going on with the story and what's yeah. going on with your character which is something very cool that a dungeon that this dungeon crawler has because as you as probably as already on this i probably already said on this podcast on in previous podcasts you've been hearing me once again i love immersive games and i feel like most of the solo players we really like very strong thematics and uh, strong immersive games because that's actually give us the experience and take us to into the game to be very focused on the game and having that adventure, that adventure as well. So this is the kind of game, as Dustin was saying, that as more as more as you crawl, let's say it right, dungeon crawl, uh-huh. as more as you crawl into the uh, to the gods between the world, you are going to be. You know, unfolding the whole story of the game or of the campaign, which is something that me particularly I really enjoy as a solo board gamer. And also, like you were mentioning, uh, you know, uh, like one of the reasons of of we like solo game is because right now, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard with life to get with with, together with (laughs) friends um, and all this stuff. So I can tell you that this is a game that definitely you will want it. You you will probably want to be like very often rolling dice and trying to kill. The monsters because you want to know what is going on with the story yeah once again if you want to play cooperative it will work perfectly because i already tried also with one friend and with my wife and it worked great so we played three players and it worked out very good uh uh, we're going to try it again on a few actually next weekend we're going to try the four players and i already tried solo and the prototype version which once again it doesn't look as a prototype so that uh, that tells me a lot about the game that is going to be the components are going to be great um you know it's working out and even if we're playing just one scenario it has that immersiveness that you can expect from from a heavy dungeon crawler let's call it that.
0: yeah well let me uh real quick like uh, i think about the story like when i think about um reading you know a, a good book that interests me personally um it you know it's got to have that that page turner feeling to it where you just yeah. can't put it down. You can't wait to see what's next. Um, every chapter teases you and you're just like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to see what happens. And yeah. then you know there, you know there's going to be a big surprise ending and something crazy is going on. And so those elements were super important to me. Um, and that, I think, as you, you were explaining, uh, you can see how the story is slowly being trickled in And then, you know, at the end of mission one, I'm not sure if you beat it yet, but um, you you, chapter two is going to take you um, upstairs and who knows uh, what is up there waiting to find you. Um, So uh, because, you know, there's going to be more different monsters and and uh, uh, story elements and surprises. So, um, you know, I'd say, you know, as I keep keep talk, keep kind of harping on um <laughs> how important yeah. the story is and it just uh yeah it's it's that driving force of literally everything in the game but you know and we're going to talk talk about uh, mechanics here soon yeah. um so the mechanics were equally as important but that that story it had to absolutely be there because um i didn't want this game to be uh, quote-unquote like a dice chucker um which yeah. there's absolutely nothing wrong with dice chuckers i i love them to death but for for my game for it to work um i i knew it couldn't be just a mindless type of dice chucker it had to have that element that that kept players wanting to play to see what happens next
1: yeah no absolutely and we're going to jump into the game now that we know uh the a little bit of the background story and we will talk about briefly and what is this game once again a dungeon crawler uh I guess the atmosphere is like a horror, uh, a theme, you know, kind yeah. of for me, the way I feeling, and that's why I, when I, the way I feel it, I'm sort of with the with the prototype, uh, even if the characters are a family in this situation, I can have the same feeling, like kind of a, the same uh, idea of not exactly the same idea as the Stranger Things, but it's kind of the yeah. same feeling. If, if, if you know what I mean, but, and definitely oh, yeah. when you were talking about, I'm, I haven't been able to, to uh, defeat the first scenario, which is good because we all love challenging games. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially I I really hate the rolling pin lady and costing (laughs) Eustace W banner. Those are two enemies that you will be facing in the game, by the way. Um, They are very hard and they roll a lot of of dice on their favor. So one cool thing about this game, if you like games that you're going to be rolling dice, if you like games that you're going to be getting a lot of equipment, a lot of uh, investigation, a lot of exploring and stuff like that, this is the game for you. So now let's talk about some of the things that I already tried in the game and about the mechanics. So basically, um, you know, one of the things that I like is the setup. This is, I will say that this is the first time probably, or one of the few times, um, and I'm being completely honest, I want to make it clear uh, to all of you amazing listeners like I always do, uh, this game, I got the prototype for Dustin, but I don't. I'm not getting any reimbursement or promotion or nothing like that. We're just talking about the game, and you know, Dustin knows that I will share my thoughts with him and mm-hmm. with you, amazing listeners. And this is all for you to have more information uh, when the when the time comes that the game it's on Kickstarter. But anyway, the one of the the, the very nice things that I find out on this game, and once again, is one of the few games. So probably. The first one, I, I don't recall correctly, that I even have fun, that I actually had fun doing the setup, because basically wow. what is what is what is happening is like like Dusty were saying, like, you know, Richie get lost and whatever. So you you had to leave home right away and you have certain amount of time to get the items from your house because you cannot lose lose time. Right. So just to, to give an example, once again, this is the prototype and I'm pretty sure some things going to probably change or or probably not during the game. But just to give you an idea, when you start the setup, once you have your character boards, uh, you need to start with the equipment. So the family scavenges their home for supplies from the starting uh, equipment deck, which you have it. And then it tells you choose any of the following without exceeding 120 seconds in total. So you have 15 seconds to choose uh, some basic items. And then you have 30 seconds, but you can only pick another two. And then you go to the candy drawer and it's 30 seconds per, per item. Yeah. And then from the fridge, you have five seconds to grab juice or milk or whatever. And well, for milk is five seconds, for juice is 10 seconds. And then on your you're going out of your house, you're running to the door, and you can take one of the one of the, the few items that are remaining. And then it tells you to take other two. But anyway, as soon as you try, even this is the setup once again for the characters. You need to be quick and you are playing already. You're doing the setup and you are playing. And I think that's great. Where do you came with this idea
0: of this mechanic? <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad you I'm glad you like that, man. That's really that that, yeah. that, make, that makes me happy. Um again, that's just uh that's part of that story. So like um back to the kind of the prologue. So Maddox watched Richie get kidnapped and he yeah. races home uh in the door to his family's house and says, Oh my gosh, Richie's been kidnapped, we gotta go get him. And Bill tries to call the police for whatever reason, and there is a reason. The police do not answer, so it's up to the family. Um, so Joan says, "All right, guys, meet at the van in two minutes. Uh, grab what you can. We got 120 seconds. Let's let's get what we need and go." Um, so that's kind of you know the where the I don't know where that idea came from. It just it seemed like a cool idea. Um, yeah, it is. It, it is a cool I think maybe where it it, it really originated from is to go back to like the original Final Fantasy I mentioned earlier, uh, and a lot of role playing game, video games. Like you start with a lump sum of money to go buy your starting gear. And sometimes some games do give you interesting choices. Um, You know, there's kind of different tiers of types of gear you can buy, but you can't afford everything at first. Um, I always really like that so you have to pick it pick and choose um do you want to be a well-balanced uh party do you want one of the family members or one of your party members to you know have one of the the better weapons um or do you want to load up on healing items um or do you want one of the accessories um that, that you can get um so there's a lot of uh that's kind of your i guess it comes down to this um there's there's a game is only as good as the decisions it um, provides to players. Um, so yeah. this is the first instant, right from the get go, of, hey, it's time for you to time for you to make a decision. What what type of gear um, do you want to outfit your party with? Um, so, yeah, it, it uh, that was one of those ideas I think that just kind of came out. Of, it, it again, the story drives this stuff, and I saw that as a great opportunity. Of why not make just the simple process of um, taking the starting equipment, wrap that into the story and make it kind of one of those um, memorable decision-making um, uh, uh, moments.
1: Yeah, and actually, like w- when I when I got the prototype and I start to set up, I actually uh, placed the which I still have it here on the table. I placed the characters and then I start to read the setup. And I actually put like my chronometer from the from the phone. Okay, let's see let's see how I feel with this first experience without knowing the rules or anything. Yeah. And I was drawing and I was like, dang, I don't know if I'm gonna need this. I don't know whatever the knife and then the, the you know the water gun and do I need it or any and I was just picking like kind of randomly too. <laughs> but then I noticed that as my game uh, was progressing those decisions could really make a difference. Yeah. Uh, you know, the gear that I have, like, for example, I remember like I got uh, for, one, for one of the kids from uh, Evelyn, I got the, her little horsey pewter that you have there. <laughs> um, and probably I should have chosen something more powerful, but I couldn't, get, I don't remember the first time getting anything more powerful either, but it it's kind of gives you that realistic aspect of, like you said, like, hey, we have just like one minute or two minutes to get out of the mm-hmm. house, grab whatever you can and let's go. And- right. That's one of the cool things. Another very cool thing that I found is that, once again, this is prototype, but it's great. It's, it's just I feel like it was already, you know, a resale, um, I'm sorry, a retailer game because the components mm-hmm. are great. You have the mission guide, which is a very nice notebook, and it also says, where's Richie and, uh, you know, Mom mm-hmm. and Har. The, the it talks about the Banner Farm, World of Terror, all this stuff. And these, once again, like Dustin mentioned, it only includes uh, one mission because this is a prototype, but it tells you everything. The set of how to start how to set up the tokens. With this game, you're going to get good components. You're going to get tokens. You're going to get a standings. I don't know. You will tell us, Dustin, yep. uh, towards, the end, towards the end of the show or later on, uh, if if at some point you're thinking about miniatures for stretch goals or if it's yep. not the case or or, or what's going to happening. But the, the, we, we're going to talk about the characters. Um, now, what, also, you get the player's guide, which is very simple to understand, very straightforward. It tells you how to set up after you do all that crazy thing about the 120 seconds, which is very fun because you're already playing as you're setting up the game. But then, now you need to set up the each character board with their health, with their family points, and with the stats. Uh, now, it's not. Of course, we're not talking about about a Euro game here, but it has some cool cool mechanics that you're gonna be uh, making. Uh, you know, try to make uh, good decisions uh, on your actions because you're going to start to put all those items on the characters the characters of course that is very realistic you can have and add uh, two items that they are one hand uh in each player or if you grab the like for example the water gun i think it was double hand no there's an item here is the my first slingshot that one if you're going to put it on a character that's it because that's a double handed yeah uh, and so that 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 part of the game i really enjoy it too and you can have uh, multiple slots for uh to equip ammo. And they also have the head, the chest, the feet, and, the, and two slots for inventory on each character. So you're going to be getting cards uh, during the game as your campaign uh, progress, and you're going to be getting more cards and more equipment. Also, um, you know, you're know, you going to be finding treasures in the, in the dungeon. Well, not the dungeon, in the dungeon, in the house in this case, but you're going to be finding treasures. Also, each character has certain talents, like, for example, Bill, which is the dad. He's the protective one, and he's trying to protect everybody. Uh, John, uh, which is the mom, She's a nurse and she's trying to healing everybody. And then Maddox, he, which is my favorite character of the whole <laughs> um, game, uh, he also has some fireworks there that he can make everybody explode, basically. <laughs> uh, and then uh, e- Evelyn, uh, she she can she's like the the tough girl, right? So she can yeah. roll, she can avoid the damage and try to you know hold on a little bit better than the rest of the characters. Now, where did you get the ideas from the characters? Because once again, amazing listeners, I have pictures on, on our social medias, uh Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, solo VG podcast. But the 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 art is very cool. It's very comic based. Um it's very nice, very friendly, very uh nice for visual purposes, I guess, for the game. And we have this uh little boy, uh, Maddox, well, which is more like a pre teenager, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh, and he is a boy that he's in a very very cool badass wheelchair because <laughs> uh, he has you know like I said uh, the fireworks there and all this stuff and then you have Evelyn she's like the tough girl like I said like the rebel girl uh, and she yeah. has that a slingshot with her and then Joanne she's like you know like with a baseball bat and kind of telling you like come on bring it on I can defeat you and then Bill he has like a golf club uh and he's also like acting very protective so bill joanne evelyn maddox those are the characters from the game of course if the campaign uh keeps advancing you're probably going to get more characters i'm pretty sure but those mm. are the main characters and those are the family they're all family mom and dad son and daughter and where do you come with this idea like are these real people that you know in real life because if you do they look pretty bad <laughs> so, where do you come from sure yeah um Let's
0: see the characters themselves. You know, they're they're pieces of my personality. They're pieces of my parents' personalities. Um, okay. Some are, some are friends. Um. So so the characters themselves, like, um, you know, what makes them tick, how they act. Um. You know, there's a lot of dialogue sprinkled throughout the the missions. Um, yeah. So. so you know, you'll you'll come across Bill as like we talked about. He's overprotective, but kind of to a fault. He's a little anxious. He's a little clumsy. Um, I'm a dad myself, and I find myself, uh, you know, y- doing those sorts of traits all the time. Um, so Bill is a lot like me. Um, Joan is a lot like my wife. She's the the go getter. She's she's really the rock. She's the you know, you'll see she's, she's just down to business. Um, she's not there to, there is some dark, um, not dark comedy, but it's, it's a lighthearted, uh, horror type of game. So there's a lot of jokes and stuff sprinkled in, but Joan usually isn't having any of it. She's just there. She's the loving mom. She wants to find Richie. Um, that's it, you know? So, that's a lot like my wife. That's a lot like my own mom, um, to an extent. Um, and then, and then the, uh, you know, Maddox and Avalon. Um, so Maddox, as you can probably tell, he's not a biological, um, child, uh, of yeah, this I think family. So. he is, uh, he's adopted and adoption's is a important part of my life. I haven't been personally touched by adoption, but I worked in the adoption field for, um, for eight years and oh, really cool. just grew to really appreciate, um, just uh you know the 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 love that adoptive parents have for their children and that's why um throughout the game the word adoption you will not find it ever um he's Maddox is their son period um that's all that matters so I kind of wanted to get that across and I've never seen a uh, you know a a a disabled person um in a game like this either so I thought that would be kind of uh need to to uh put into the game to represent um them as well and to show that you know Maddox is just as capable and powerful as everybody else um in his family so I that that just it seemed like a good idea and I I uh I went with it and I'm I'm glad I did because I think it turned out well and um Yeah
1: and and, and I and I want to say something right now sorry to interrupt you, but Yeah yeah um I, I think what you just say it's great. You know, it's 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 because here here's the thing. We come to basics right now. We're talking about the game that that we're talking about the game that is going to be released, right? But at, at the end of the day, one of these beautiful hobbies is that it brings it brings people together. And yeah. now we're seeing more often in games that you know, like I guess when the, the original idea, which probably I'm pretty sure was wrong, it was that the games like you were talking a fantasy a fantasy at the beginning medieval and vikings and all the stuff it was usually the male character right the yeah. hero and all the stuff and even in video games and now we have uh for example one that came to my mind right away solo game one deck dungeon you know yeah. it's only female characters yeah and it's a super fun game and the characters are badass they're great yeah. and, and you know like you have a lot of fun but they're all female and that's great For example, well, let, me, case, let me let me say case. something
0: real quick uh yeah, sorry quick. to touch up but like I bought that game and I, I was super aware of it. I knew all about it and um, followed it on Facebook and this and that. And I bought it and I got home and I'm flipping through it. And it literally took me like 20 minutes until I realized, oh my gosh, all these heroes are female. Um, so, what I, what I loved about that was I forget the uh, designer's name off the top of my head, but
1: he didn't. I will, I will tell you right now because I, I have it here with me. Chris. I feel very close. uh, By Chris uh, Chislik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. From Azmati Games.
0: Exactly. uh, But he could have very easily beat everybody over the head that, hey, you know, uh, girl power, you know, feminism, we're going all in on on women in this game. Like, it it was very subtle, it was very tastefully done. And I really, really liked that. That was a cool surprise when I realized oh my gosh, all the heroes are, are female. Sorry to cut you off.
1: No, 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 you're, you're right. And actually, like, I, I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, me, myself, I mean, you, you're seeing me right now. And of course, I'm listening by my accent, and you have seen me on pictures on Facebook. I'm, I'm an Hispanic, you know, person, very proud Mexican that I live uh, in here in U.S. And I, I love my, my country, Mexico, and I also love my country, U.S. I love both. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's, it, it makes you very happy to see this diversity now coming into the thing that we love, which is the hobby of board games. Mm -hmm. And as you're going to see on pictures also about the game, Maddox, uh, I hope I say it correctly, he's an African-American kid in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And like I said at the beginning before telling you this, he's my favorite characters because you can tell, like you mentioned, that he's not like the rest of the family. But at the same time, it doesn't make any difference. I mean, the game mm-hmm. doesn't make any difference. So he's part of the family. Yeah. Um, and the only reason that you can think that is because of his physical aspect. But he's my favorite character. He's a badass kid. He's involved with his family. They're all fighting together. So I think that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing <laughs> that, that, that now you're implementing in this game. And I'm pretty sure it's going to touch a lot of people. And I'm pretty sure it's going to motivate a lot of people to play this game because I don't recall any adventure dungeon crawler game with a character like Maddox. And it's super cool. And I really wanna thank you, Dustin, that you came with this idea. And like I said, I, I know, for example, that isn't the same way like you were talking about One Thing Dungeon. You already had the, the first Kickstarter of this game, which, yeah. uh, you know, for better things is gonna be now re released, let's call it like re released uh-huh. by the end of the month. And I never saw, because I need to confess, I was a a, a backer of the first first time. Um, I never saw, like, you were making any, like, you know, taking advantage of that situation. Like, here, I'm showing something Mm. different in that way, like, more marketing purposes or whatever. No. I mean, it was there. And I see people commenting and whatever. And they really like that aspect of the game. And I really like it. And I think it's great, um, you know, as a way of the, besides the funny of the game, like, like you know that part of like we're all the same and it's more about helping each other like in cooperative games mm-hmm. and trying to explore and have fun. But well, that's now now we're getting very uh, <laughs> very <laughs> sentimental here. But I mean yeah. that, that's very cool. So I wanted to, to say that. But anyway, thank you. Derek. We were talking about the about the characters and now that you're telling us like where they came from, different personalities and all stuff. They're very great. And we talk about the characters have certain slots for equipment. They all have health points. They'll have family member points, which they are basically points that will help you to trigger their abilities or their talents. And it also has a very nice mechanic that uh, you can make them a little bit more stronger or defensive, according to the case and the situation yeah. in the game. Because now let's jump into the game mechanics. So okay. I, will, I will tell you, uh, try to describe it a little bit, what I play, and you can compliment or tell me if I, if I did something wrong, which I hope I didn't. So basically, you're having you starting this... Uh, Room, which in my case was the was a restroom Uh, you started there and then you start to explore so what you're gonna do first in the game you're gonna move all your characters towards the nearest uh, towards the nearest door and one character needs to be adjacent to that door then you're gonna uh, jump into the next step which will be exploring that door exploring that room that now you're discovering so you're gonna remove the door and then you're gonna uh, reveal I'm sorry you're gonna build on the setup you're gonna build some tokens that they will give you different the, the map tiles and it also going to be monsters and treasures and doors and different things on, the, on, the, on that stack, right? So first you're going to yeah. reveal the map to see what are you getting. You're setting up the room, now it's another part of the house, and then you're going to reveal three tokens which they will trigger treasure, monsters and doors or events or different things. Yeah. So once you reveal them, you're going to set up the new room with monsters or whatever you draw. And now that's your next challenge that you need. If there's monsters there, you're going to have actions or steps to activate your characters. And also the monster are going to activate to attack you or trying to hunt you. And then if you're able to defeat all of them, then you can get the treasure and you can advance to the next room. That's a big overview, very Mm -hmm. simple, how the game works. But now, Dustin, you can explain us a little bit more about each phase of the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, So for me... Um, when I decided to make this story into a dungeon crawler, I thought about, you know, what does a dungeon crawler mean to me? And obviously, combat is is a big component, but that's not the only component. To me, a dungeon crawler has that exploring mechanic to it. And exploring means to me, you don't know what is coming next. Um, you're yeah. you might have a... You might have a fork in the road, and you have to choose left or right, and you don't know, you know, as you mentioned earlier, objective one is to find the locked door. The locked door is a token in those, in the stack of fate tokens that the mission guide tells you to prepare, um, randomly, you shuffle up those tokens, so if there's a fork in the road, um, you have to split that stack of fate tokens, and Mm -hmm. obviously the locked door is in one of those two stacks. So, is cool. it down the left path or down the right path? Um, you know, the kitchen, is an example, the kitchen tile has a fork in the road. So, you know, there's two different ways to go. Um, so, that was important to me. Um, so, that that would be phase two of, of the game. Uh, phase one is just basically arranging your characters and, like you said, uh, moving next to a door. So, it's real fast. That, that step of the game is super fast. And... Um, you are basically preparing your family for what is behind the door so you kind of arrange the family um you're able to take a a stance potentially like an offensive or defensive stance potentially um but you you open the door and then boom what's behind the door and then you go into the drawing phase which is revealing three fate tokens in the room and like you said it might be a monster It might be a trap it might be a surprise event which refers you to the mission guide so there's all sorts of things that can um, populate each room Um, then once you do that like you say if there are monsters um, or um, traps that you need to spawn out onto the map tile you'll go ahead and do that and you randomly lay those um, elements out on the board and then, if there is a monster, then you move into the final phase, uh, uh, the fourth phase, which is the fighting phase, and that's where um, the game really shines. I think is uh, is in that in the in the obviously the fighting mechanics.
1: Okay, yeah, I mean, it's it's very. I actually enjoy it, and I think it's very interesting. Another another thing that once you that I really like from the game is that once you move into the room. Well, first of all. The standees, they have a back part and a yeah. front part. Enemies and heroes. Let's call it heroes, the family members, right? So, like we said, you, you're you trying to set up the new room and you're exploring. You definitely have that feeling of exploring and not knowing what's going to be next, okay? Right. So, but one, one thing that I really like is, like, for example, like I mentioned, the standees have a front, a front view and a back view. And because in this game... Whatever you're facing, it's a very, very important decision that you need to make during your exploration because being behind enemies, uh, that means by their back, or facing enemies on front, or being in range, on line of sight, all this stuff, it will depend if you're facing them or you're turning away or whatever. So yeah. I, I found that very clever too because usually in dungeon crawler games or even in dungeon crawler, like in any kind of games that it has those things like uh, you know line of sight and all the stuff yep. it doesn't matter if the mini is facing wherever i uh-huh. mean it's just you know the mini is more like a your pawn moving yeah and in this in this at least on the prototype and i'm pretty sure it's going to be the same of the game here it does matter where you're pointing your characters and yeah. that's cool how did that occur to you i mean honestly i think that was a very clever thing that i don't see it very often in games well thanks
0: uh i think now that you mentioned, I think it was two two ideas I can think of. Uh, one idea is is from Final Fantasy Tactics. If you played that game on uh, PlayStation uh, back yeah. in the day, it's still one of my favorite games. But that it obviously very much mattered the way you oriented your your character, um, the way you ended yeah. your turn. So I always liked that. I thought that added a lot of strategy um, to the game. So so I think that was in the back of my mind. But honestly, I think where the ultimate decision came from to add art of the back of the monsters and the back of the family members was just when I looked at the game, when I had it laid out. And let's say the family is on one end of the room in like the background, if you will, and the monsters are in the foreground, if you will. And you're looking at it from that perspective. But it looks like the monsters are looking at you and the family's looking at you but actually the monsters are looking at the family members, so you should naturally yeah. see their backs yeah. um so i it just occurred to me i was like you know wouldn't this be cooler if we did have backs to it would just add that extra little element of um theme you know and i guess thematic presence on the table uh that yeah. just it made the characters look like they were engaged in combat so um so we implemented that. Um, I asked, uh, you know, our artist, Travis Hansen who has done an amazing job with all the character art. I was
1: just going to ask who is the artist because yeah, the, that's the art. It's it's like I say, it's comic based. It's uh, kind of cartoonish, but it's, it's super nice. I mean, it, it, it fits great with the theme. You don't want to have real people pictures here on these yeah. kind of games. You want to be in, in you don't want to be immersed in this uh, universe of, Horror, but like comic wise, so yeah. it's cool, it's super cool. It uh, kind of reminds me of the same art. I don't know if you recall that show, if you ever watch it, but uh, I'm pretty sure some of you are amazing listeners. Uh, back on the Tales from the Crypt show from the late 80s, 90s, that it was an HBO show for adults, they uh-huh. uh they released also an animated series of Tales from the Crypt, okay, uh, back the beginning of the 90s. So it was very similar to this kind of art, which is pretty cool, which I'm a huge fan of it. Um, so I was going to ask you about the designer. Yeah, the graphic designer of the
0: game. Yeah, tr- so uh, so Travis Hansen did, he was the, let the see, uh, I, I had a couple artists that I um, experimented with and and they did a great job, but it was just, I was looking for something very, very uh, particular, but I could not, I couldn't explain it, you know, um, yeah. and, and so I scoured the internet, I scoured Facebook groups. And um, I saw somebody um, somebody linked Travis's website and I, I checked it out. It's called uh, beanleafpress.com is his website. and he okay. has a, uh, an online uh, comic that comes out. I can't remember if it's daily or a couple times a week, um, but he's got a bunch of books and stuff. It's called Life of the Party and it's a it's a basically a d inspired, comic strip like comic book strip um but it's it's super popular and and funny and it's great um but anyways i i talked to him and kind of gave him my ideas and and the first the first things he produced were our family members and we just kind of hammered away at them for gosh it happened fast a couple days at first it was you know the very first sketch he gave it was like I see the direction, but not quite, and then, I mean, (laughs) it it just, I I would give him one little uh, idea, and it would just come together so fast, and I think it was at the end of, like, the second day, I was like, boom, here are four family members, the exact art that you see on those dashboards right now, and I was, I was just, I was blown away, that was a really special day, Um, I I will,
1: I will definitely gonna check out that comic, because, yeah, I love the art, yeah.
0: And then yeah. the the monsters came soon after, and we we're just at that point I felt like we were firing on all cylinders and just loved it. Um so that was that was the character art. Um and uh let's see, and then and then um I needed a graphic designer to design the cards, and that was a process again to I didn't just need somebody to lay out the cards, I needed somebody to wrap up this theme and story and the, the art that Travis had produced by now and bring it all together. And it, it took several tries. Um You know, everybody did a great job, but uh finally landed on Cole Munro Chitty and man, that guy has been so awesome. And uh, he is an artist. Like I hate, I hate calling him a graphic designer because he's so much more than that. So when you look at like one of the monster cards, and it has like kind of the blood texture around it, or the ooze yeah. texture around it. Um, like that is all him. Um, and he even uh, he even designed, he drew the um, the items. So like the milk, the orange juice, uh, the popcorn, the fruity bears. Cole did all that too. So he's not just a graphic designer. He's a true artist. At, at no, the but same you're time.
1: right. You're right. Probably probably is wrong to call them graphic designers because you, I totally agree with you. They are artists. So. With that yeah. being said, we, we can we can tell that this game is gonna have a lot of love put into it because yeah. you know like like you were saying like the the whoever the, the the drawings and the idea and the comic like were the I I guess I would say the graphic right but, but once again referring them as an artist but whoever came with the idea of the characters now uh, you know in reality as a comic and then. The, the other uh, artists that create the cards and all the stuff so there's a lot of love and then your your yeah. your background with the story of the game and now transforming to a board game and all the stuff and I hear somewhere I think I think in one of your videos which by the way, if you don't follow Dustin make sure that you follow him on youtube uh, on, the, on your last video uh, you were talking about how long had took you to make this game and you mentioned three years so that's yeah. a big important thing because it's not like those kinds of games that sometimes we have on Kickstarter. That they just release it and probably it's not even a good game and that's it you've been putting effort of at least three years on this game so that's magnificent now i want to keep talking about the game uh right now so we explore we set up the monsters we talk about facing the monsters being behind them be, watching our backs too which is very thematic mm-hmm. and then you have your actions as a as a family mm-hmm. and before they activate too one thing that I like to, once again, I played this game like three times already, is that you cannot uh, do your action, the same action twice. So yep. you can either move, because each character has a different value for movement. You can attack, which each character, according to their background or to their story, they have different die that they will roll more powerful, less powerful, and so forth. And or you can prepare for battle, basically, which is that, well, you're going to increase a little bit your stat. On one particular player in attack, and then on the next one you will increase the defense. In that way, you can protect yourself for when the time comes. Like we mentioned, you can spend family points, which there are like extra points that you will have on your board, on your player board, to do your talent Like each character has a different ability and talents. Uh, or you can use an item, um, and you know, uh, use the item for any anything. There are some items that they will interact with all the players and things like that. So I really like the idea. Of preparing for the battle, either offensive and defensive. Yeah, Um, you're right.
0: Like Most of the actions um, are pretty standard uh, dungeon crawler fare. I mean, you got your move, you got your attack, um, you got your use items, those sorts of things. You got your use magic, or in this case, the family members' talents. Um, But I didn't want it to end there. I was trying to think of... um, because really what what the combat's about and as you go through mission one as you go through the campaign and you get better gear and things like that it really is building up that dice pool right so i was thinking okay are there are there ways to add in like temporary dice bonuses if you will to temporarily boost up your dice pool um and again are there ways to add in, uh, you know, decision-making instead of just, okay, well, obviously I'm just going to move with my first action. I'm going to attack with my second action. I was like, is there, is there any other decisions we can challenge players with to make? Um, so that's kind of where that idea came from. Um, so like you said, you can take a... Uh, it, you can only do both of these, what I'm about to say, with your second action. So you yeah. could potentially... Attack with your first action if you're already in range. And then with your second action, you could do what's called an offensive stance, which that particular fan member, let's say it's Bill. He's basically kind of prepping for his next turn. He's kind of cocking his bat ready to go. Um, and what that means is you on the dashboard uh, on Bill's dashboard, there's a little a token that you'll slide up. You can slide it all the way up to three. If circumstances work out for you correctly, but if you take an offensive stance, you're going to slide it up one. Um, so that means when Bill's turn, comes back around the next time you're going to have that extra die. And it's in this case, it's going to be a light green die, which is the, the uh, least uh, potent dice, if you yeah. will, but it's still good. Yeah. Still, I noticed it.
1: I you know. noticed it. I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's still good to, to roll that third one or whatever. So, there's it's it's a balance between um uh using your turns efficiently so if you can use your turn efficiently where you're constantly taking offensive stances instead of kind of blowing actions with moving all over the place um potentially you don't have to move maybe you can set up a future move by moving in range and then future turns you can kind of sit right there and attack an offensive stance or do an attack and take a defensive stance which means basically exactly what i just said except you get a defensive bonus instead of an offensive bonus for next time you are attacked so if you are bill and you're down to one health maybe you do want to take a defensive stance to give yourself better probability of missing that next attack that that comes to him so there's a that element of decision making in the combat um just it's still a dice chucker there's no bones about it it's fun if you like rolling dice um you'll probably like this game but it was important to me that there were some additional decisions to make and i I think at the end of the day what excites me a lot about this game you mentioned that you um i think you said you died a few times like you can uh you can get good at the ghost betwixt. Like there are, there are sometimes the right moves and sometimes the wrong moves. Sometimes there's, sometimes there's, um, you know, you go either way. Uh, But, but you can get good at this game, I think, which is,
1: which is pretty neat. I totally agree because in my short experience of three games, it happens to me that in one of those particular, I was like, man, if last turn with her, Instead of doing that, I I, sh- I wouldn't do this, it would have changed completely the situation right, right now. And and that's that that you're right. I mean, now that you're playing again, you get a better strategy, and you're like, Okay, now I need to think more carefully what I wanna do. Um, right. I need to think more carefully about my actions. Like either I probably prepare a little bit better for battle or I just move and try to be behind, attack them in that way, then he's gonna activate. And oh, because I wanna say other things that's very cool. And in a little bit, uh, we're going to be pretty much wrapped wrap up because the game. Because that's one of the things, good things about this game is it's simple but immersive and yeah. not simple at the same time. It's challenging. But another cool thing that this game has, it's, you're not able to see it, but once again, it's on the pictures. These target tokens here, I wish, I'm sharing mm-hmm. with my friend Dustin here on the camera. These yep. ones, oh my God, I love these ones. So basically, <laughs> you have a pool of tokens that they have the faces of the characters and you have them randomized and mixed face down. So, as soon as an enemy spawns, uh, once you set up the enemy, either giving him an, a, a monster card or uh, their health points and all this stuff, then they're always going to be trying to chase somebody in the family. Right. So, you're going to draw one of those tokens, and it can be a Bill token, or Johan token, Maddox, Evelyn. And that, it means that that monster, on their turn, they're going to spend their movement and their attack action trying to get the most close to that character, trying to hunt that character and trying to kill that character, making damage to that character. So that's another thing that makes the game very challenging and very uh very important the decisions that you make during the game because now you know who the monsters are trying to hunt on the next turn. So then you're going to start a plan like okay, well if they're going after Evelyn, probably I should bring the mom and that trying to kill that enemy first before he activates, or trying to cover uh, Evelyn, or trying to do whatever you need to do to protect Evelyn, but here is the thing, even if he's going after Evelyn, if he performs an attack to another character, or to Evelyn, his target can change during the turn, so probably you were (laughs) thinking the whole game, the whole turn, that he was going towards Evelyn, because he has target uh, Evelyn, the target token, but then you roll the target, re- the target result on one of the die, and now you return that token and you get a new target, and probably now that target is adjacent to him, so it messes it up. So <laughs> I mean, messes it up for good in the in the strategy, right? So that makes that gives a lot of replayability to the game because uh, you know, like I said, it's challenging, it's fun, and even if you play the mission, the same mission over and over, those aspects that we mentioned, with another aspect that you will be discovering during the game will give the game a lot of replayability. So that's something great that we always like in games. So yeah, um, yeah. can I talk about it? that real
0: quick? Um, yeah,
1: go for it. This is this is your house, my friend.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um like you just said, uh mission one, man, I've played it gosh, a hundred times probably and every time I play it, I I love you know, you start you start in the bathroom because that's the family members sneak into the the farmhouse's bathroom window so that's where the game starts in the bathroom but because you shuffle up the map tokens you shuffle up the fate tokens you have no idea how the map's gonna lay out um so it's really exciting to see just how it all lays out and where the monsters spawn um you know you might draw two different monster tokens so you have a bigger battle than maybe um the mission you played before um so yeah, I, I do think there's a lot of replayability and it's just always exciting to see how it all uh, shakes out. And then what, you know, what new gear are you going to find, which is going to, you know, change how um, you interact, you know, and how you go into battle too. Um, so I think that's pretty fun. And then back to the target tokens. Um, that was, uh, it, there's some there's some other games I've played in the past that, that I love, but sometimes to and especially like a uh, a dungeon crawler that's cooperative and doesn't have an overlord that is uh, controlling the monsters and the monsters are controlled by AI. So sometimes there's kind of funky little situations to where you have 10 monsters on the map and you kind of like divvy them up. Okay. These two monsters are focused on this guy. These two monsters are focused on this guy. And you kind of like point their, their swords or point their bow and arrow towards that, that character And me and my friends would always get all mixed up, especially it's late on a Saturday night and we've six beers into the night or whatever.
1: I'm assuming you're talking about about Gloomhaven,
0: right? (laughs) No, I wouldn't I wouldn't say anything like that. No, uh let's see. Um Gloomhaven is I I gotta admit, Gloomhaven's pretty intuitive because it's like um whoever the monster that's it's closest to it's gonna fight, it's gonna attack that dude. Um so one game i can't think of is dark light i really love Darklight. um uh-huh. if you've played that but that was like if i could say one thing that i would try to improve is just i couldn't ever remember which monsters were focused on which uh, yeah. uh characters and but you know it worked it totally worked it was just sometimes we would forget but so i would i kind of you know, as I developed the Ghost betwixt I would think about some things like, okay, if I if I had a chance to change things, what would I do? And that was one of them. Just make um, Monster AI a little more obvious. And what better way to do it than to actually give each monster a token of who they are focused on. So yeah. while that system seemed to really work, um, and I liked it a lot, it did make combat predictable. So if you know, these two guard dogs have Maddox's token and he's down to one health. OK, let's just, you know, let's back Maddox out of there. And, you know, yeah. we know it's on him. But so so what I realized was we needed just a little bit of unpredictability. And that's when we added on the retarget symbols on the dice that you talked about. So Maddox or let's say let's say Maddox. He is attacking, and none of the monsters have a Maddox target token. Maddox might shoot the dog, and the dog's defensive dice rolls a retarget token. Well, guess what? That attack just drew the dog's attention, and that dog is now focused on Maddox. So there's lots of different ways that the targets can change, and it just mixes it all up. But there is, I think, uh, kind of a method to the madness.
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you, and and that's very important, because here, like you said, that's a good thing that you mentioned. It. Like the, the AI is pretty uh, pretty simple because it manages itself. Yeah. Like you said, you don't need to remember like, okay, where he was supposed to do, uh, where he is going, at, who is the character that he's attacking. No. You already have the token there. And the cool thing that, guess what, it can change. So that's great. That's uh, one aspect of the game that I really like. So now... Talking about the Kickstarter date, okay. this game is gonna be released on September 26th, I think, right? Uh it's 24th, if I'm not mistaken.
0: 24th. It's Tuesday, September
1: 24th. 24th. Now, what is the price that yeah. is gonna be on Kickstarter for this game?
0: Yes. So if if anybody listening uh was in on the first Kickstarter uh campaign, which was in July, and you if you, you might recall that the price was uh a cool eighty-nine dollars. Yeah, uh, this or eighty five dollars can't remember, but this new Kickstarter campaign, fifty nine dollars will get you the core box of the Ghost Twix. We worked really hard over the past couple of months to um, reimagine um, the game. And we're basically what we're doing is we wanted to reduce um, or not reduce components, but kind of re um, what, what I want to say um, more responsibly use the components in the game. So wh- what we're doing is exactly what we're doing. We're going back to my original vision for this game, which was to tell this big, big, big story in two parts. Um, that was always the original idea. But then um, about, a it was probably a year ago, I thought, you know, I, I wonder if people would rather just have the full story and the full game in one box. So yes, you would be going to all the different environments, which which adds more and more and more map tiles, which adds more and more punch board, which made the game bigger and the components, you know, and the price of the game. Yeah. It was what it was. So what we're doing with this next game is we're splitting this, or this next campaign, we're splitting the story back into the original idea of two parts, um, focusing on part one with this first campaign. Um, okay and we're more responsibly using those components in the game and we're bringing that cost down to a little more reasonable uh price point for for you know diehards and casual backers out there so we're really excited um that we were able to get that price down to where it probably should have been originally
1: so now the kickstarter is going to be 59 bucks which is a very good price for a Kickstarter. now that you're mentioning it's going to be two parts that means that Later on, it's going to be another Kickstarter campaign, or the second part will be available as an add-on for the Kickstarter.
0: Yeah, we talked about that as well, and um, I thought it would be a good idea uh, for a long time, for a while here, to add in part two as a, as you know, an add-on. Um, but I, we discussed it as a team, and we thought, you know, let's let's really focus on nailing part one part one is very close to being done and it is um just so we're clear it's five huge story missions uh, five side missions that are replayable um so when you complete the five story missions you can keep playing those side missions all you want keep grinding keep getting better loot and uh, getting up to the max level with more talents in preparation of part two so so for this Kickstarter campaign, I think we're really going to just focus on part one and then we're going to have a new campaign um, sometime in the future for part two. Just because we don't want to collect people's money for part two and then they're waiting, you know, potentially a couple of years down the road before yeah. part two is fulfilled. So we're just going to really focus on making sure part one is as good as it can possibly be and making sure that people get this game um, as quickly as possible, which it's it's looking very promising. Um, it, you know, as you've mentioned that prototype, it, it it doesn't feel like a prototype. It's very. Uh, no, it
1: doesn't. It, it looks very cool, actually.
0: Yeah. So we're 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 very far along, and um, I think just once we once we fulfill um, this Kickstarter uh, campaign, um, we are going to take some of that money and just hammer the art, the rest of the art that we got to get done for the rest of the environments. There's some remaining monsters. There's some remaining gear we still need to design, and once that's done, um, we're pretty close to sending it to the manufacturers and printing it. So, um, so that's so. Let me real quick. Uh, the benefits. The benefits of splitting this game up into two parts. The price we just talked about are reduced. The okay. goal. The goal is going to be far far reduced. Um, probably let's see. It's going to be about half the goal of what our first campaign was going to be so so that that should help us a lot to to fund Um, three like i just said fulfillment date is going to be way faster because part two is not done it's not close to done part one is close to done so we'll be able to get that in people's mailboxes uh, very soon, right? And then fourth, uh, shipping cost is going to be reduced as well because there's just it's not going to be as heavy. So yeah. I think splitting up the game into two parts is is definitely the right way to go.
1: Yeah, no, and, and I think like like you like you were explaining right now, it sounds like like it is the way to go and the correct way to go. Me as a player, I I feel like it's it should be like that. And just because like I mentioned to you amazing listeners, believe me when I say that you will have a lot of replayability with this game. Uh, you know, my filters, challenging, immersive, and replayability. And definitely, The Ghost Betwixt has those things. Once again, September 24, save the day. Like if it was a wedding, September 24, mm. Kickstarter, The Ghost Betwixt. This is definitely um, a project that, I, of course, I won't tell you, amazing listeners, what to do with your money or nothing like that. <laughs> but I, I can tell you this. I personally will back this game because of all the things that we talk. And putting aside that, I mean, the the most important thing is that the game works fine. The the game works great. It gives you those three things I already said, immersiveness, replayability, challenging. Um, You know, when I play solo games or cooperative games that you can play solo, I usually like to play with one character. When I open this prototype, and I saw on the setup that you will play with the four players, with the four characters, I'm sorry, even if it's one, two, three, or four players, I was like, oof, probably I won't like it. Okay, but then as I was playing, I did like it, and it makes sense because of the story. So with that being said, I'm sharing with you my thoughts that I will definitely back it for those things, and also the big plus, what we were talking about, three years, of a work in a game, on a story that it was a book and then the idea was for a book and then transform it to a board game. It means a lot of job and a lot of love for the game. Then you have the artists that they're helping to create the game and making a reality too, like Travis Hansen and Cole Monroe Chidi. I mean, you have all these people that are investing the love on the game and that also it's a big plus. Plus the background from Dustin, and I'm not talking about his designer background, like he was sharing with us, uh, you know, about his uh, his close relationship with adoption and and how you know how to make all the family members uh, adopted or not adopted or making all the, that meaning that we are the same we all share the love at the same uh, goal um that's those are things that definitely make me as a player more than a podcaster as a player back this game once again i'm I'm not gonna tell you hey yes yeah definitely should back it and whatever no I'm just gonna tell you I'm back in this game. And if this is something that sounds appealing to you, if you like dungeon crawlers and you like this kind of challenging, then this is a game that it's very worth to check it out. And I don't want to I don't want to tell you back it, but at the same time I'm telling you I'm gonna back it. So that should tell you the hints uh, that it's a, it's a game that you need to be you know very proud of, and and you know, and I'm pretty sure it's it will it will be a good addition to your gaming collection. Of solo and cooperative games, um, Dustin. What about the stretch goals? We talked about the miniatures at the beginning yep. of the show. Are they going to be miniatures, or are we going to stay with standees? Which they look very great, actually. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not complaining about the standees. So yeah. A pro, a pro thinks about the standees like you don't have to paint them, so that's
0: good. Right. Yeah. Um, from from the get go, uh, it was you know this game had to just be had to use standees because um, there's a lot of one off bosses in the game. And, you know, as as you experience, there's, uh, Eustace Wade Bennett. He's the the boss of mission one. And, you know, it's, it's really tough financially to produce miniatures and, and produce those molds for the miniatures for just a character that's used once in the game. Um, it's tough, it's tough to do that. So it was always the idea. I didn't want to limit ourselves to, oh, we can only create, um, six monster types, um, to make it affordable for us. Cause I didn't want you to just be recycling through the same monsters over and over and over again. So that's why we settled on standees. However, um, we, this is another benefit of splitting this game up into two parts is the quotes uh, we've been getting back are super reasonable and looking really, really promising. And we've, we've gotten a lot of requests, um, for, uh miniatures because people just think they would look really cool so what we're
1: going to do is a stretch yeah, I'm, I'm sorry dustin we all love miniatures. <laughs> so oh sorry. yeah from the and, gamer
0: side. Yeah. and me and me too and me too for sure yeah. but i'll tell you what what i'm uh what you know it's a double-edged sword um sometimes when i get a game with miniatures um and they're all gray and and yeah, no. uh, it's <laughs> and i love painting but Man, time is getting slim um, in my life. It's just, it's tough. So I sometimes appreciate games with the the standees. But what we're gonna do to answer your question is um, one of the stretch goals. If we do well with this campaign, is everybody's game will come with miniatures of the family members. Um, oh, that would be cool.
1: So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So those are gonna look awesome. So it'll be like Gloomhaven, where the heroes are uh standee or sorry the heroes are miniatures the monsters remain standees and if you've played gloomhaven which i have a lot you don't even you don't even notice that you're using (laughs) miniatures and the monsters are standees you don't even think about it it's crazy but um so we'll probably do something like that is is the plan and there's some other cool stretch goals um if we do really really well we're going to upgrade the dice from Silk printing to etched dice, which would be really nice. Um, There's a lot of dice in the game, as you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's going to be that's a little bit of a a little bit of a cost um, on our end, but we'd love to be able to do it. So there's lots of um, I would say definitely in comparison to our last Kickstarter, I think the stretch goals on this next campaign are you know we listened to the feedback we got. And I think the stretch goals on this go round are a little more enticing. Um, so there's 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 some additional weapons that you can unlock with the sh- some of the cheaper stretch goals. But the stretch goal, and we're excited about those. But the stretch goals everybody's really going to be excited for are the the miniatures and the etched dice. Um, and then we do have a uh, we're planning uh, kind of a deluxe edition of the game with some Kickstarter exclusives that. You know, if, if people are really diehard on the Ghost Betweenix and want to spend just a little bit more to support us to get us um, to hitting our goal, there's going to be some cool stuff like a um, potentially a Target token bag. So instead of having a pile of Target tokens, you'll put the Target tokens into a Kickstarter exclusive felt bag with a, a Target symbol on it or something. We haven't designed it yet, but there's going to be some cool cool little goodies like that um, that. Honestly, we're still debating what is in the deluxe edition. What is a stretch goal? We're still debating some of that stuff in the final days leading up to the Kickstarter date. But there's going to be a lot of cool components that um, you can use to upgrade the game.
1: Dustin, I'm already very excited for the Kickstarter. I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of the amazing listeners are also looking forward to it. Uh, once again, um, you know, where they can follow you on social media in that way they can stay
0: yeah absolutely uh easy 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 to find on facebook uh just look for the ghost with and you'll find us and you know if you make any comment or share it or or ask a question man i'm i'm a nut on there i'll i'll probably answer you within 30 seconds as derek probably knows (laughs) yeah i know no um, he's
1: that's a cool thing he's very responsive so yeah any ideas you can it's definitely i will recommend you to follow him on facebook and you'll get
0: a message yeah so board game geek Twitter Instagram uh, the ghost betwixt you'll find us on there that's that's one of the reasons I I settled on the name um, the ghost betwixt is you know debated between and, and that name is very important to the game as as you know this is a campaign-based game and you'll soon find out you know it'll be very obvious by the end of the game why the game is named what it is and I'm keeping that pretty private because i want yeah. pe- i want every player to find out for themselves but um you know it started with uh i was like okay the ghost among us the ghost between and i kind of looked google searched those and there's some i think there's a band called the ghost among us i was like eh. and then uh, <laughs> yeah. the ghost the ghost between was kind of neat but i was like the ghost between sounds kind of funny and uh the ghost betwixt which is just betwixt is a Kind of an old timey word for between. And I was like, man, that just sounds perfect. It sounds uh, memorable and uh, it's unique. And people that search for it anywhere, that's what's going to come up. So. Um, I, there's been a few people out there that are like, why the hell, what does that even mean? Like my dad doesn't even know what the name, but I,
1: I, did, I, I, I never knew what it means. Until now. But also <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I, said, I, don't, I don't like a spoiler, so don't <laughs> spoil it. Right. I want to, want to play it and discover it by myself. But, betwixt,
0: it literally means between that's all it means. So it's basically you're, you're reading the ghost between, and you're going to find out what that means. And uh, uh, real quick before we get off here is uh, the campaign. Um, not only, and this is super important, not only is the campaign going to reveal uh, this, this story um, along the way, which is going to be, you know, full of surprises and stuff, but each mission is going to add in new elements uh, to the game. So the prototype you have right now, Derek, it just has okay. that one equipment deck. Mission two it's going to tell players to add the green equipment deck into the game. And as you know, if you've ever played Diablo or World of Warcraft or any of those games, green is better than brown. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. It, it always does. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So green right. is, uh, some, some rarer equipment and it's going to be more challenging to find those green pieces of gear. And then there will be a blue stack of gear as well. Eventually. Even <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, I think you mentioned earlier there might be a, a hidden, uh, hidden character you might find. Um, so, you know, and I could talk about this all night, but slowly with each mission, it's trickling in um, new elements into the game. And, and of course, there's new talents that the family members can learn. And it's up to you as the player to decide, OK, for Joan, do I want to take her like kind of nurse um, healing path? and make her more of a healing character or to make her more of an offensive character with her uh she fills syringes with all these different kind of status ailment effect things so you can go down that path so there's um there's a lot of different um ways that the game changes um you know throughout this campaign and it's up to the players to kind of decide uh which way they want to take the characters and you know which way they want to outfit them do they want um joan to be a range character or a melee character and and she can get pr- uh proficient in those sorts of weapons meaning she can re-roll dice um the more proficient she gets so i'm kind of rambling here but point of my uh my rambling is um the game is it's what you played in Mission 1, while I'm, I'm very proud and excited about Mission 1, and it's super fun, that is just the introduction, and the game evolves significantly as you go along.
1: I can't imagine if we just with this, we have a lot of replayability and fun. I mm. can't imagine how much more fun we're going to have as we play in the campaign. So once again, September 24, the Gods Betwixt, Kickstarter, save the date once again. $59, first part, a lot of replayability, immersiveness, campaign. And I hope, like I said, I hope you get all the information that you need from the podcast. Once again, you can check the pictures uh, on the Facebook page of the Gospel Tweaks. You can also check the pictures that I post that I'm going to be posting as the, I'm trying this game with more people on the Solo BG podcast, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Dustin, thank you so much for showing us the game and thank you so much for the love that you put into it. And I'm pretty sure that it's going to be, this is going to be one of those cases that is going to be back in a couple of probably one hour or a couple of hours (laughs) uh, because it's a great game that is going to be well-deserved to have those results.
0: Let me tell you, Derek, I I really appreciate that. Um, My goal, I'm hundred percent honest. The goal is to fund this thing by a penny. I don't care if it's by a penny or you know, however much uh, there's been so many people over the years that have supported the game and just they want to play. They want to see these things I've been talking about for a while and these ideas we've had and they want to see what happens in the story. So this Kickstarter campaign is for them. Um, it's it's not about us, you know, anybody, you know, uh, getting rich or anything like that. It is getting this game uh, funded Printed and in people's hands, and then um, we'll see what happens from there. But uh, that is the goal. And um, you know, so if it's an instant success, I'll be psyched. But if on the last day, the last minute of the campaign, we hit the funding by a penny, I'll be equally as excited. Um, so we'll see what happens. But it's great talking to you, and I appreciate you having me.
1: No, 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 at any time, this is your house, and uh, it's you know, it's it was great to talk about the game. And once again, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be the beginning of your new career as a designer. <laughs> since I know the game is going to be a huge success on Kickstarter. Because believe me, like I said, amazing listeners, uh, I won't tell you what to do. But I'm telling you, I'm backing this game. Dustin, thank you to be here. And for all of you amazing listeners, remember that you can follow us once again on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at SoloBG Podcast. More things are coming on. And, like always, remember... For victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.